Man, if you're joining us today, Germantown, welcome, Brookfield, welcome, Appleton, welcome, uh, Milwaukee, welcome, online, welcome, wherever you're connecting with us from today, we are delighted that you're here on this weekend, especially this very first weekend of 2024 as we gather together, starting a brand new series. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I'm going to get there in just a minute, I'm going to unpack this. Um, but I just want to say, as we go through this year, something you're going to hear every single weekend is about life change. Because Life Church exists to see people experience life change through Jesus. That's why we're here. That's what we're about. So if today this is your very first time and you're like, man, I don't know why people are lifting their hands. I don't really quite get this. This is too, where is the stained glass? Where is the clerical collar on the pastor? I am wearing a black t-shirt, so at least that helps a little maybe. Where, where is like, this is completely different than anything I've ever been to. Welcome. We're here for you. If no one else showed up and you showed up today, we're delighted that you're here. Because this is all about, we're a community of believers who once was lost, but now are found. And that story from Kevin, I, I've known Kevin my, almost my entire time in Germantown. Uh, he was a businessman that I met. Matter of fact, Kevin is a real estate agent that Tammy and I have used every single house purchase, and we purchased several houses. We like to move a lot uh, since we've lived here in the 21 years. But uh, not only is he, is he a, a lover of the community in which he's in, and everybody knows him, and he's very great at his business, but to see the life change in his life and in Donna's life. Again, two really great people. I mean, you wouldn't find more energetic, positive, kind, community-oriented, uh, love their family, uh, just sweet, kind people, but just needed to be introduced to Jesus in a way that was beyond religion and went into relationship. And to hear that story, and there's more to that. They told me that they edited out about 15 minutes of that because <laughs> if you know Kevin, yeah. So, um, but, uh, but anyhow, man, just life change life change. Every single weekend this year, you're going to hear a story of life change. You're going to hear a story of life change. And here's what I'm believing. If you have family members, if you have coworkers, if you have friends, if you have neighbors that you're believing to see come to faith in Jesus Christ, I think 2024 will be the year. I think we'll see more people come to faith in Jesus Christ this year than we've ever seen in a single year. I think there'll be more water baptisms and people that have made decisions for Christ and going public with their faith. I'm getting excited. I'm talking fast than any other year we've ever had. I just believe this. Because I, I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. And so today, I want to begin this year, this, this year with this series called the, the Mind of, uh, this, this Mind Shift is what we're calling the, this, this series. And Erwin um, McManus wrote a book called Mind Shift. It's out. It's a little bit secular. It's a little bit more of a leadership bent. But I was listening to some interviews and some stuff, and I was just like, this was months ago, and I was like, this is a direction that I think that this is what I've been trying to formulate and put together and put some words to. And so if some of what I, I say or some of what we say in this series comes out that way, just we'll give him credit. But uh, I, I'm not following a book. I'm not following that. But I like to, to give proper credit to where credit is due. But I want to talk to you today about the mind of Christ. What I'm going to talk to you about today is not easy. Just look at your neighbor and say it right now, this ain't easy. Just say it right now. This ain't easy. Say it that way, because I'm telling you, this is going to be much harder lived than it is to preach. And it's going to be difficult to preach. But, but I, I want to get this, because 
the, the bottom line is this series is going to talk to us about how we destroy internal limitations that hold us back from what God wants us to be. How do we have a mind shift? How do we change our thinking? How do we change our thought life? How do we change those things internally inside of us that come on the outside? Because we all deal with Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 8. There's a struggle. The things that we want to do, we don't do. And the things that we don't want to do, we do. And therein lies the struggle. We all deal with this. Whether you're brand new in your faith, whether, whether you are, are been saved and you've been following God all of your life, we all deal with this. So life change begins with a decision. Let me unpack, unpack it this way. It begins with a decision. So you have a decision to follow Jesus. And, but is that life change automatic after becoming a Christ follower? When you, when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and come to your life, to all of a sudden you just change? No. Why? Because your soul is saved. So when you give your heart and life to Christ, your soul, that part of you that's eternal, is as saved as it's ever going to be. Saved from your sins, saved unto God. You can know that heaven is your home. But that soul is still housed in a mind and in a body and an emotion that's not redeemed. And, and, and I'm telling you, as I get older, this body does not get better. Amen? No, thank you. Thank you. Somebody said it. You know what? How do you reply? How do you respond to that? I, you know, like, but, but the truth of the matter is, 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 it's like, man, what happened with this muscle and, and, and that bulge wasn't there before and what's going on here and what that, and then my mind, as I go along, you would think that all of a sudden as you got older and you do, you'd have less questions. The truth of the matter is you have more questions. If you find yourself on your journey of faith having more questions, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just you're learning, you're maturing, and your questions are deeper than what they were before, but they still are there. Your emotional state sometimes cannot always be constant as much as what you want it to be. But there's a process from the decision to follow Jesus to becoming the person that God desires you to be. That process theologians call sanctification. Sanctification is instantaneous in that when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and into your life, be your Lord, be your Savior, Savior from your sins, he does. He saves your soul. It's progressive and the fact that from that point on, you are now trying to get your body and your mind and your emotions to come alongside and to conform to that decision. Therein lies the struggle. This is what makes it difficult for people. Because people go, I tried church and it didn't work. I tried religion and it didn't work. No, what they did was their soul was saved, but they're still battling the emotion, the mental, and the physical aspects. And that is tough sledding. That is hard work. That, that, takes, that takes something from you. Sovereignty is a biblical term, a theological term, which says God will do what only God can do, but I must do what I can do. And God works in concert with us. This is part of that sanctification process. So if you want to change your life, you've got to change your mind. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. The battlefield of the mind. The battlefield of the mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You should be there. And if you're not, it will be on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. How does a world wage war? It fights physically. Protests, physical fights, altercations. I'll just take you out. Wars, rumors of wars. That's how the world fights. Look at verse 4. But the weapons we fight with, speaking of Christ followers, are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have a divine, which means spiritual, power to demolish strongholds. Underline, circle, highlight that word. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. For we demolish arguments 
and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God that we take captive every thought. That's the operative word in this phrase. That's the operative key in this entire passage. Again, highlight that. I'm going to come back to that. Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, most of life's battles then are won and lost in the mind. So how do we win the war in our minds? I'm so glad you asked that question. You're so smart. Number one, I'm going to give you three points today. Very simple points, much more difficult to live out. Look at your neighbor and say, this ain't easy. Say it again. This ain't easy. You need to know this. This ain't easy. Because there's times I think you think this is easy. I, there are times I think you, you think that your campus pastor or the, me as a senior pastor, this is just easy. This is hard to live out. I don't like preaching messages about this. Let me tell you why. Because invariably, the week before and the weeks following, I will have to be, like this will be part of my struggle is trying to live out the teaching that I'm teaching you, right? So I want to preach every week just on, man, God's grace, because I love God's grace and his goodness. But this is the tough stuff that I have to do. So God's done the work in my life. How do I win the war in my mind? Number one, identify the strongholds holding you back. If you're taking notes, just take a minute. It'll be on the screen for a few, for a few more seconds. Write that out. Identify the strongholds holding you back. ID the strongholds holding you back. Go back to number, verse 4 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What is that word stronghold? Stronghold in the Greek means castle, military force with reinforced walls. We have divine power to demolish strongholds. What exactly does that mean? I don't live or I'm not around a castle fortified military walls, fortress. Dr. David Dykes explains it this way. A stronghold is an illegal outpost in which the enemy, Satan, has established from which he repeatedly attacks a person at his or her point of weakness. Let's say that again. A stronghold is an illegal outpost which the enemy, Satan, has established from which he, Satan, repeatedly attacks a person, you or me, at their point of weakness. So if you're in Christ and you're a Christ follower, then Jesus has occupied your life. You're going to heaven. But there's this possibility that the enemy has slipped in and constructed a fortress in your mind, Paul says, and we just read, that he's, he's, he's constructed this fortress, this fortified castle fortress in our mind, which he repeatedly tempts you from and attacks. Strongholds are patterns of faulty thinking that become entrenched in your mind. There's a lot of psychological talk about this with habits and how, how do you bad habits and good habits and how, how do you habit stack. I mean, if you read any kind of self-help or leadership, you'll hear, again, this is not, but a stronghold is a pattern of faulty thinking that becomes entrenched in your mind. It's any, let me say it this way from a biblical perspective, it's any mental construct, any mental idea that is not consistent with God's word. Again, the things that you don't want to do, you tend, tend to do. The things that you do want to do, you don't do. Why is it so difficult to start an exercise program? Why is it so difficult to diet? Why is it so difficult to live right? Why is it that my soul is saved, yet I fight with this stinking flesh and my stinking thinking and all that goes along with it? That's why. Because there is a stronghold. Let me just rattle off a list of strongholds. 
And as I do this, there'll be one or two that'll pop out at you because that's what you're dealing with. Anger, bitterness, compulsive behavior, despair, eating disorders, fear, greed, hypocrisy, impatience, judgmental spirit, keeping, judge, uh, keeping grudges, legalism, materialism, need for approval, obsessive behavior, pornography, a quarrelsome spirit, revenge, self-pity, temper issues, an unforgiving spirit, a violent nature, worry, etc. These are all strongholds. And the common lie that builds up a stronghold is I'm not good enough. I just can't do that. And I want to say this again. Man, pastor must really be good. Pastor must really, you know, they just, man, they just got it right. They just live right. They're holy. No, 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 no. I battle the same junk you do. Superman has kryptonite. Everybody has something. Even your sweet grandmother, God rest her soul. She had her junk. I'm just telling you. Grandma has some stuff. She had some things that she wasn't talking about. Do you understand? And that's hard for us to get in our minds. I'm not good enough. My past sins, they disqualify me. Another common lie that can build up a stronghold is I just can't trust the people around me. This is just who I am. You give into it. The enemy's tactic, how does he work? He builds up strongholds of wrong thinking. One lie at a time, like a brick upon a brick upon a brick on a brick until he constructs a wall, until he constructs a fortified fortress in your mind, a stronghold, until you become prisoner of that deception. I'll never be able to get there. I'll never be able to overcome this. I'll never be able to get out of this. I'll never be able to over, overcome this, this sin. I'll always deal with this. This is just something I'm always going to. And if you're honest with, your, with yourself, there's an area in your life where you seem to fail repeatedly. Think about that just for a minute. Don't tell anybody. Don't say it out loud. What's the area in your life, maybe sin, maybe it's not, but it's this weakness that you continue to fall repeatedly. You fail repeatedly. You desire to live right, but dot, dot, dot. There's a weakness. Maybe it's a reoccurring sin that's in your life. It could be a spiritual stronghold. That's what Paul's talking about. And the realization of this is what's good. Because once you identify it, then you can do battle with it. Let me say that again. Once you identify the stronghold, you can do battle with it. Once you identify, this is my issue, this is my problem, it's not John's problem, it's not, it's not Susie's problem, it's not Sarah's problem, it's my problem. And you know, the old line is, if John's got a problem with Sarah, John's got a problem with Susie, John's got a problem with, with, with Wendy, John's got a problem. John's the issue. You ever meet people that it's always somebody else's fault? No, it's not their fault. It's you. I just can't seem to keep friends. It's you. I just can't seem to over. It's you. And, and again, not trying to dump on you. Again, I told you from the beginning, this ain't easy. But it's identifying what is that stronghold? What is that thing? What is that weakness? What is that area? What is that? Second step is take captive every thought, the Bible says. Write that down if you're taking notes. Take captive every thought. Much easier said than done. Take captive every thought. Go back to verse 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God that we take captive every thought. Think about what you think about. Just take a minute and just do kind of an audit of your thoughts. Scale of 1 to 10, where does your brain go? Worry being a 1, P 
Peace being a 10. Where are you? Worry, one. Your thoughts are always peaceful, 10. Sinful, one. Pure as a driven snow, 10. Where's your thoughts? Scale of one to 10, one being negative, 10 being positive. I mean, are you like from those three questions on a scale of one to 10, a composite score of, a, of, a, of 15, like you're just right square in the middle? You're probably not being honest with yourself. Some of us, it's what comes into our mind and what comes out of our life. That's the problem. See, the Bible says that I see it with my eyes and it registers in my mind and it takes up residency in my heart. And once it takes up residency in my heart, it comes out of my life. Where do I want to catch it? I like to catch it in my eyes, but a lot of times I, I don't, I see things. And I'm, I'm swiping through and all of a sudden I'm, I'm looking at social media and I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? How did that populate? Where, who, who threw that in there? Or, or all of a sudden I, I'm, I'm trying, to have, trying to be positive and then I just get this nasty text or a nasty email. Uh, man, that just totally, or all of a sudden I, I'm, I'm, I'm not even, I don't have, I'm trying not to watch the news, not trying to, but I'm traveling, I'm paying, I'm whatever, and I'm just going through and all of a sudden there's a, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a news and I just hit, see the ticker tape at the bottom and it's just, it's another one of those like, ah, kind of a deal. It's just like it, it like it, it just, it just comes in and, and what happens is I see it, but, but, but so sometimes I can't help what I see, but I can help what I do with it because as soon as I see it, it registers into my mind and before it takes up residency in my heart and comes out in my life, this is where I catch it in my mind. That's why Paul's talking about this. Paul will tell the church in Rome in Romans chapter 12, verse two, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be formed in the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So how do I take captive every thought? How do I not become conformed by the thinking of this world and be transformed by the renewing of my mind? Again, I'm so glad you asked that question. Let me give you four practical steps. They're not going to be on the screen. This is very military type talk, but I think you'll get it. How do you take captive? Number one, gather intel. Just gather intel. I'm trying to gather the intelligence. I want to identify and have an honest evaluation of what is that issue? What is that problem? What is the root of that? What is that? Not the triggers that cause it, but what is it? All of a sudden, this comes on. All of a sudden, this comes across my, 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 my view. All of a sudden, this comes into my mind. All of a sudden, the enemy throws this image back in my, back in my, in my mind, this, uh, this old sin, this, this old person, this old way. What is that? I want to gather intel. I want to identify it. Secondly, I want to cut off the supply lines. Whatever is supplying life to that thought, whatever is supplying life to that idea, whatever is, is supplying life to that reoccurrence of being thrown back up in my face, I want to cut it off. I want to cut the power off. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 says, flee evil desires. Don't pray about it. Don't talk to your friend about it. Don't ponder on it. Run. Run, forest, run. Amen? Run. Run. When something, run. When it comes, run. Do whatever you have to do. Get out of the situation. I don't care if you have to throw your computer away. I don't care if you have to go to a flip phone. I don't care if you have to cut off the friendship. I don't care if you have to leave the job. Run. Do not stay. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Run. Get out of that. 
Romans chapter 13, verse 14 says, do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful. Do, Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Don't even give thought and process to it. Gather intel, cut off the supply lines. Thirdly, enlist fellow warriors. You're all fellow warriors. Every campus, left and right of you, in front of you and behind you. These are all, we're all on this journey together. None of us are righteous, not one of us. We all have stories of life change. And we all celebrate the amazing grace that God's done in our life. Amen? No? This section seems to be a little more pure and holy than this section does. (laughs) No, we all are. We're all jacked up. And those of you that think you're not jacked up, you are the most messed up of all. Because you just think, oh, no, I don't think thoughts like that. You big fat liar. You're in church. It's the world we live in. And it's what, but, 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 but these are fellow warriors. We're doing this together. We, no, no man, no woman left behind. This is the reason why life groups are so important. If you're not involved in the community of, this is your home church, you're not involved in the community, you need to be. I'm in two life groups right now. Uh, just here at Life Church, because we need to be together. We, we, it, it, woe to the man who falls and no one hears him when he falls. And the reason why sometimes we struggle, the reason why sometimes we repeat, the reason why we don't have victory is because we try to do it on our own. Well, you just don't understand me. You just don't know. That's part of the stinking thinking. That's part of what the enemy says. That's just not your gig. When life groups come up, that's going to be hard. It's going to be complicated. Sure it is, because he doesn't want you to get in the community of other believers and be around other Christ followers that are going to call you on your junk and are going to pull you up to another level. You talk to anybody who's overcome anything great in their life, they never did it by themselves. Even solo athletes have coaches and people around them, performance people around them, psychologists, performance coaches, and physical coaches. They have all kinds. They've got a team of people that help them win the Tour de France or win the golf tournament or win the Masters. They, they don't do it by themselves. And, and so even in, even in solo sports, we have teams of people. Why is it that you and I think we can live the greatest journey, the greatest race you will ever run by ourselves you can't you can't we need each other look at your neighbor and say this ain't easy go ahead say it right now this ain't easy even on the campuses this ain't easy and then number four you attack after you gather intel after you cut off the supply lines after you enlist the help of fellow warriors you attack You don't give up, let up, put up, shut up. You go after it. You set your face like flint. You become the buffalo. Remember that message where you run into the storm. You don't back up from the storm. You don't let up from the storm. You don't let somebody talk you out of the storm. The storm is there, McFly. The storm is right in front of you. Run, run, run to it. Hit it. Go, go, go. Don't let up. Don't put up. You continue to go. Why? Because the enemy is trying to take you down. Wow. Third point. Got a minute and 50 seconds. Here we go. Claim the truth that demolishes the strongholds. Claim the truth that demolishes the strongholds. One more time. Claim the truth, God's word, that demolishes the strongholds. Go back to verse 5. For we demolish arguments And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to do what? Make it obedient to Christ. Once our thoughts are caught, we force them to obey Christ. What do you mean? How do I do this? So glad you asked that question. By abiding 
living and dwelling in God's word. This is where God's word is so important. This is where, well, let's just follow Jesus. Uh, Yeah, Jesus was from Genesis chapter 1, 1 all the way to Revelation 12. He's the whole book, folks. You can't just go, I'm just going to look at four books and everything else is going to, no, he is from the beginning to the end. And so we follow the word. John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32 says, if you abide in me, Jesus says, and, my, and, 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 you, and you're truly my disciples, verse 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So when you are in God's word, God's word is in you, freedom is going to come. How does it come? Because you are taking thoughts, you are taking captive every single thought and you're claiming God's truth every single time. See, we, de- we defeat the lie of the enemy with God's truth. That's how you defeat the lie of the enemy. When the enemy comes, when Satan after Jesus before he begins his public ministry and he is tempted. The enemy comes and he tempts Jesus. And every single time Jesus is quoting the Bible. Interesting. There are people that want to do away with the Old Testament, yet every single time Jesus overcomes the enemy, he's quoting the Old Testament. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Amen? Woo, man, that, that's way better than you're shouting. That was, that's not even in my notes. That's what my grandmother would call the Holy Spirit. That's anointing. So anyhow, this is why being in God's word is so important. This is why we do this soap, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. But I don't get a whole lot out of that. I just, just keep going. It's like a discipline. You don't, you don't get a whole lot out of those setups and those crunches at the beginning because you got to lay off the zingers and the Twinkies and the ding-dongs. Amen? <laughs> right? You're putting too much, too much ice cream in your, in your, uh, in your milkshakes and, and uh, your, what is that, Slim Fast. That's what's hurting you. Amen? I'm doing the Slim Fast stuff, but these, it's the ice cream that's killing you. Okay, here's the deal. It's getting God's word. So when the enemy comes in and you've got a, a stronghold, a fortress, that you're not worthy. It's in your mind, thought, I'm not worthy. Something you see, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. No, 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 devil. Romans 8.37 says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So I don't overcome by myself. I overcome through Jesus and through him. I'm more than a conqueror. Get out of my mind. I know this sounds a little crazy. But listen, the train left a long time ago. Can I just say the world does not think we're sane? So who cares what the world thinks? I'm not living for the audience of the world. I'm living for the audience of one. Amen? The enemy comes in and says, uh, you, you can't do what God wants you to do. There's no way I can do what God wants me to do. I, he's preaching this message right now, and I can't overcome this, and I can't do this. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That doesn't mean I can do all things because Jesus is in me. It's I can do all things through Christ. Every year I have a word for the year. I have a phrase for the year. Last year it was here. And, and so if you looked at my phone, every time I pulled up my phone, it's here. It just says here. And, and my girls are asking me, why is that? Because I need to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm right where God wants me to be. I'm living in this moment. My brain is not what was over yesterday. My, blank, my brain is not going to what's to tomorrow. I live in day-tight compartments. So for 365 days last year, I wanted to remind myself, every time I picked up my phone, my screensaver said here. This year? It's this verse. It's these two words, through Christ. Through Christ. 
Am I living my life right now in this moment? Through Christ. Am I going to make this phone call through Christ? Am I sending this email through Christ? What does that mean? That means, am I trying to strive to make people happy? Am I trying to strive to get things to happen? Am I trying to push to make things happen? Am I trying to push in my life? Am I trying to do it? Am I just trying to muscle my way through it? Or am I abiding in the vine? His words in me, me in him through Christ. I'll always be miserable. Nehemiah says, verse eight, chapter eight, verse 10 says, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy, not happiness. Happiness is based upon happiness. Joy is a character, it's a fruit of the spirit of God that when you're in Christ and he is in you, it begins to come up like apples on a tree. When the root's good, the fruit will produce. That joy just comes forward. I will not always be miserable. This will not always be a season of grieving. This will not always be, sometimes you've got to declare that on your life. This will not always be a loss. I will not always feel this way because the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's what God's word says. I'll always be alone. I'll always be alone. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, God will never leave you nor forsake you. In those moments, you can be in a crowded room and feel alone. And the enemy just wants to go, you're a loser. You're alone. You will die alone. No one cares about you. You're all out here. No, devil. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says that God will never leave me and that God will never forsake me. I am not alone. How's your thought life today? How's the battlefield of your mind today? What's keeping you from a relationship with Jesus Christ? Maybe you're far away from God and you need to ask Jesus to come into your heart and come into your life, be your Lord and your Savior. What stronghold or strongholds does the enemy have on you? I'm telling you, this message is not easy to live. But if you live this out, because it's not my words, I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. I didn't write this. This is God's word. And if we will simply take God's word and we will digest it and we will take it in and we will strive to live it out through Christ, he will produce this. So today I wanna pray for you at every campus, online, I wanna pray for you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today? Everywhere. And if you're here today and you'd say, hey, Aaron, I I need to give my life to Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, even if you're at a campus, Campus pastors are making their way to the platform and and they're there. But if you are saying, I need to give my life to Christ today. I I, I need to ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart, come into my life. This isn't a stronghold question. That's question number two. But question number one, if that's you, I just want to pray for you. Would you slip up your hand high enough and just say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Just up and back down. Thanks. Anyone else? Thank you. Even if you're online and no one's looking, you're on that treadmill and you're listening to it, just lift your hand up. They're not going to think anything about it in the gym. Just up and back down. Thanks. I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. As a matter of fact, I'm going to begin the prayer with a prayer of salvation. I'm going to ask everybody to pray that prayer with me in just a moment. But the second question that I have for every person at every campus, even watching online, strongholds. Have you identified? It's really pretty easy. You know what it is. Are you willing to take captive and to claim God's truth of victory in your life? If you say today, hey, Aaron, I, I, I got a stronghold. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a sin. It most likely could be, but it also could very well not be. It's just a struggle. It's a stronghold. 
It may be a loss that you're feeling some emotional, that the enemy's just taking you down, that you just feel. It could be something you had nothing to do with. It could be something you have full control over. It could be anywhere on that. So it could be anything. But you know what it is. You go, man, I'm dealing with this stronghold. And in 2024, I want to overcome this stronghold. I want to have a breakthrough. I want to give this to Christ. I know it's not easy, but I want to strive to identify it, to take captive and to claim God's truth and victory. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. Will you pray for me? Just up, up and back down, all the way across the room. Boom, 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 boom. Amen. Amen. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask if you raise your hand for salvation or you raise your hand for the stronghold. At every single campus, wherever we are, you're here with me, whatever. I'm going to ask you just with every head bowed and every eye closed to stand up. There were hundreds of people. Just stand up. Just right where you are. If you raise your hand for either one of those two, I just want, to pray. I just want you to stand up. I just want you to stand up. Every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to stand just for a minute. Amen. I want to pray for you. And I'm going to stand. Sometimes change of pace, change of place is change of perspective. Sometimes when we kind of go public, even though no one's looking around in the room, all of a sudden what happens is, is we're making a statement to ourselves. We're making a statement to the enemy of our soul. We're making a statement to the world that we are done with this and we're going to give this to the Lord. Again, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's sin. It doesn't necessarily mean that you've done anything wrong or it could be. It, it, that's not the point. The point is, is that you want to live in the freedom that God's given you. And I'm just telling you, if I were sitting where you are sitting today, preaching this message, I would be standing. Because I got an issue that I'm battling through right now. So I just want to pray. And I just want to ask that God's going to help you in this season. But I'm going to begin with a prayer of salvation. I'm going to ask everyone in this room and everyone that's watching online at every campus as loud as you can to pray this prayer with me. And then I'm gonna pray for those of you standing for strongholds. Will you join with me? Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender myself completely to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my heart, to come into my life, to be my Lord and my savior today and this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, I pray right now for the person that prayed that prayer for the very first time for salvation, that the joy of the Lord, that's their strength, God, would just begin to fill their hearts and their minds. I pray, Lord, that the peace of God that passes understanding would just flow and flood through them right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for all of my brothers and sisters at every single campus, watching online, wherever they're connecting with us from, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that we would break these strongholds, not in ourselves. God, we can't do it. But Lord, we identified this is a stronghold. This is an area of weakness. This is a place that the enemy has come in and has brought in and, and has attacked us. And so Lord, we identify that. And God, we know that, there, that this takes place in our mind before it ever takes up residency in our heart. So I just pray, Lord, as we give you our thoughts, that you would purify our minds right now in Christ Jesus. God, that you would just clean up our thinking from a self-defeated, God, negative, a worry, sinful, God, a, a, a mind to one that is renewed in you. Lord, let our minds be transformed according to Romans chapter 12. Let our minds be transformed by your word. As we've heard the word of God today, we apply it into our lives. We pray right now in the name of Jesus that you, O oh Lord, would just transform our minds. 
God, we identify it, we take captive, and we claim your truth. We stand on your word, that your word says that our weapons are not carnal, they're not worldly. We don't wage war as the world does, but yet we do it, Lord, through supernatural, spiritual means, which means you do it. When we are in you, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you will raise up a standard against him if we submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to you today. I pray for breakthrough. I pray for strength. I pray for peace. I pray for hope. I pray for power. I pray for an overcoming spirit. I pray, Lord Jesus, that the struggle, Lord, would be overcome. We know it will not cease, but it will be overcome to the point that it is no longer loud. It will be muted in our lives and we will be victors. We will not always live this way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm going to ask everyone in this room to stand. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to stand. And the, and the worship team's going to come back and they're going to do that second song. I know that's a new song. It's a new song for me. I leaned over to Tammy. I said, did Nando write this? Who wrote this song? Did you write this? You didn't write it? I wrote it. So I'm just saying, no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> and I know sometimes you come to church and you just kind of go, man, I don't know these songs. Can I just tell you, I don't know half the songs that we sing either. So I listen to it in the car the way I like it on the way home, amen? It's okay. It's not about the chord structure. It's not about the, the, the volume. It was loud this morning, wasn't it? Amen. I'm getting so old. It's, it's, the, it's that Sony Walkman I had that my mother told it was going to mess up my hearing when I got older. That's what it is. It's about the words. One thing I learned and going and traveling different parts of the world. That even when a song is sung that I may not understand the words or the language, there's a spirit behind it. And I can connect because that's the Holy Spirit that's at work. And even if it gets to be too wordy or I can't read it because my cataracts are messed up or whatever's going on, I just began to lean in and just worship the Lord because I'm not gonna lose that moment to be in his presence because the Bible says that God dwells, he lives in the praises of his people. You want to overcome? This is how you do it. We need each other. We warrior together. This is our go fight win for the week. And so Nando's going to come, the team's going to come, and they're going to lead us. And I'm just going to ask you, push beyond the volume. And guys, don't turn it down because I hear better from the staff how old I am. So just keep it where you had it. <laughs> push beyond the lyrics, whether you like the melody or whatever. Push beyond how wordy it is or is not for you. Push beyond uh, whether you know it or you don't know it. Let it get deep in your heart. You're worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's all that matters. These words are just facilitating that. You understand? All the choruses and the hymns that we sing. Jesus didn't sing Amazing Grace. He lived it, but he, he, he didn't sing it. Do you understand? That was, some of you are looking at me like, he didn't, what, what's going on? No, that was years later, right? It's my heart, man. It's my heart. So I want Nando to come. We're going to sing this song. It kind of is a victory. And, and, then, and then Ryan will come and dismiss us. But uh, again, I hope you'll be back as we continue in on this series. Amen. God bless you guys.